Hi, I'm Nick Santora, uh, writer, producer of Prison Break, Breakout Kings, Law and Order, Sopranos, and uh, author of my new novel, 15 Digits, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. Episode 212 is on its way, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies, remakes, and sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, our guest is a writer and producer. He has done such shows as The Sopranos, big one right there, and he has also done L.A. Law, and he has also done Prison Break, Breakout Kings. He's produced Breakout Kings, Prison Break, and uh, he's a writer. He's got a new book out, a novel called 15 Digits. So uh, if you want to get that, check that one out because it's a great book. Nick Santora is going to be with us, and Nick's got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we're going to be going into that in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But before we get into there, we're going to, of course, get into Remake Madness, but I do want to let you know that... Um, the uh, 2012 blockbuster season has officially arrived, okay? The Avengers this weekend has had over $200 million in their take for opening weekend. Now, the next closest movie, just to give you an idea, was Think Like a Man, and it drew in $8 million. So that's quite a range, $200 million, $8 million for the number two movie. So, it's officially here, the summer blockbuster season. Coming up next weekend, Johnny Depp and Dark Shadows is going to be coming away. So, we'll see if it's going to make that big a, a slam at the first week. But I, I kind of doubt it, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, why don't we get right into Remake Madness, coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier made Uptown Saturday Night a hit back in 1974, and now Will Smith and Denzel Washington are going to take a crack at it. So we'll see if they can do the same thing. And the remake of The Lone Ranger will have its score written by Jack White, formerly of The White Stripes. And also look for DreamWorks to remake a Canadian comedy called Starbuck. It's about a 42-year-old man who learns that 142 people want to meet him. People he was the sperm donor for. Sounds kind of funny. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a peek at what's coming away as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well... May 30th of 2014, we'll get a look at Pixar's new film, The Good Dinosaur. And Disney is set to uh, make ground control to Major Tom, a romantic comedy, which gets its title from David Bowie's Space Oddity song. And Scorsese and DiCaprio are together again, this time with a film called The Wolf of Wall Street. And you can look for stockbrokers, security fraud, corporate banking, the mob, and more in 2013. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. 
Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, Malcolm Lee has been put at the helm to direct Scary Movie 5, and Christina Ricci is set to star in Smurfs 2, and she will play Vixie, Smurfette's evil twin. And The Amazing Spider-Man 2, we haven't even seen one yet, but 2, has already been put into the works with the guys behind writing the Transformers 2 on board to write the script for that one. That is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, on June 5th, Season 5 of Curb Your Enthusiasm arrives on DVD and digital download. And in September on the 25th, Time Life will release on DVD The Carol Burnett Show in several different versions, okay? You can get one DVD, you can get two DVDs, you can get six DVDs, or the ultimate 20 DVD set. So keep an eye out for that one. And the fourth season of Damages will hit stores on June 26th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming away as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD, well, August 14th. Look out, because it's not going to be safe to go back into the water. Jaws comes to Blu-ray with an all-new documentary as an extra. And The Lucky One with Zac Efron makes its way to store shelves in September. And you can catch Disney's Chimpanzee in August. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Nick Santora, who is a producer and writer of TV shows like The Sopranos, uh, Law and Order, Prison Break, Breakout Kings. And uh, he also has novels. He writes novels. And he's got one out now called 15 Digits. And if you get a chance, you want a nice read, uh, it's, uh, it's not a memoir or anything like that. It's a regular story. So uh, check that one out. And we have a link right on our website, so uh, you can go and get that one. Uh, makes a good, good read, okay, for the summer. So Nick Santora is coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is a writer and producer of shows including The Sopranos, Law and Order, Prison Break, and Breakout Kings. He also writes novels including his latest, 15 Digits. It's Nick Santora. Nick, thank you so much for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. No, thank you for having me on. Nick, you've done so much, and I want to get into how you started and all that, but first let's talk about your new book. Uh, 15 Digits. Is this a continuation of Slip and Fall, or is it a, a totally different story? Or Tell us about that. No, it's a completely different story from my first novel, Slip and Fall, uh, but there are similarities in the sense that both stories are about blue-collar guys in the white-collar world and, and how, uh, how they kind of mess up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, ba it's, it's basically the story of five guys who work in the printer's 
of a law firm, a big law firm. And I at one point worked in a big law firm when I was an attorney. And some of these law firms have 500, 800, 1,000 attorneys. And they all have these printers down in the basement that are basically the size of a Kinko's. And they format all the, all the documents and copy all the documents and collate all the documents. And what they don't realize is that those documents are basically next week's Wall Street Journal. And the information's worth billions. And every merger, every takeover, every deal that's going to go down in Wall Street and beyond passes through their hands. And this story is basically the, the or this book is basically the story of what happens when they realize the value of what the, they have. Now you started out as a lawyer, you said, right? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even get into any jokes or anything about that. <laughs> oh, no, I've got more than anybody. <laughs> but David Kelly, he was a lawyer at one time, too, correct? Yes. Now, what is it with you lawyers all of a sudden quit being lawyers and start become writers? What is that? <laughs> I think most of us were really bad at math and science, so uh, we just knew how to write. And that's why we went to law school. Honestly, I had never had a desire to be a lawyer. Never wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, never enjoyed being a lawyer. My second day of law school, I called up my parents and said, yeah, this is not for me. This is a mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm reading case law for the past 24 hours, and I'm already bored to tears. <laughs> and I remember my father said to me, uh, basically, look, you've never quit anything in your life. Uh, finish it through. See it through. And with a law degree, you can do anything, which is the biggest lie that is repeatedly told <laughs> to everyone who's in law school who doesn't want to be there. Um, but I, I went through with it. I finished it up. And uh, with never having any desire to be a lawyer, I then went on to practice for six years. So what turned you to all of a sudden to go to Hollywood? Or, or did you stay, I don't know, wherever you were? Or did you go to Hollywood? Or how did that work? No, I was I was always... I always wanted to be a writer. When I was six years old, I knew I wanted to be a writer. And my, my whole life, I, I wrote stories. I'd write poems. I'd write short stories, anything I could. I just didn't think there was even a chance that you could make a living at being a writer. I didn't think it was an option. And uh, I was the first one in my family who had the opportunity to go to college. And uh, neither, neither of my parents had that opportunity when they, when they were young. And, and my mom eventually went to college when she was in her 50s and got her degree. And my dad got his um, GED when he was in the Marine Corps. They're very, very smart people, really smart people. They just never had that opportunity. They wanted that opportunity for me. And they really uh, financially killed themselves uh, to put me through college. And I, I didn't want to graduate and then say, hey, thanks for all of that sacrifice. Thanks for all of that money you just spent. Thanks for that incredible opportunity you just gave me and this incredible education you just gave me. I'm going to go starve now for the rest of my life and be a writer. It just didn't seem like the way to quote unquote repay them. Right. Um, there was a line in my first book, Slip and Fall, which uh, says, goes something along the lines where, the, where one of the characters talks about how he went to law school to repay his parents, because the book is quite autobiographical in some sense. And he says, that was my first mistake. A son can never, re can never pay back his father, and he can give him the moon and still come up short. And that's what I should have known then, that no matter what I did, I can never, how can you pay back your parents? I have wonderful parents. They sacrificed everything for me. Um, they really wanted me to, to have opportunities they didn't have. Um, but when I uh, went out into the world and, and applied to law school and then started practicing law, 
I thought I was honoring them by doing something quote unquote real with my life. What I didn't realize then, what I realize now, now that I have two young daughters, uh, an eight-year-old and a three-year-old of my own, I realize that all you want for your children is for them to be happy and healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that when I was in my 20s. Yeah. I thought they wanted me to be, quote-unquote, successful, whatever that means, not knowing that a parent's definition of success for their child is for them to be happy, healthy, and safe. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to go out and achieve, and I graduated from Columbia, and I made law review when I was in law school, and I went to this big, giant law firm, and it's what everyone thinks that a law student wants. In the meantime, I was secretly so unhappy. And then after a while, I wasn't even secret with my unhappiness. I was miserable openly. (laughs) And my wife was miserable because I was miserable. And she eventually told me, you know, you've got to shut up already and just write something because all you ever do is talk about how you want to be a writer. And we just got married and we've only been married a few years and I can't live the rest of my life like this if you're going to be this unhappy. Right, yeah. So, so, (laughs) pretty depressing stuff. (laughs) Sounds like a movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, how did you do that? How did you, did you send something to somebody in Hollywood or how did you know what to do? Well, I didn't. It's funny. I had no idea that I'm, I'm, you know, in, in, in all of our lives, your life, my life, your listeners lives, there are things that we do that we're, we're proud of. I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of yourself once in a while. Most of the time we beat ourselves up. But one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is, is that I broke into this business, not knowing a person, you know, I'm nobody's nephew. I'm nobody's you know, grandson in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, da- my, my dad lived in New York his whole life. He's a carpenter. My, my, my mother lived in New York her whole life. I didn't know how to break into the business. I know. That's what amazes me. That, you know, yeah, I mean, you don't so hear what that. What I, I, I did something really, really radical. I sat down and wrote a script, <laughs> which I can't tell you how many people I know that say they want to be writers, and, I, and, and five years later, they're still talking about the idea they had, and they've never written it. I, uh, I, I sat down on a Saturday morning. I took a week's vacation from work. It was the last week of vacation I had. And I said to my wife, do you care if we don't go away and don't go on vacation anywhere? And she said, no, if you want to stay home and write, stay home and write, because you need to change things up in your life. So I got up on a Saturday morning. I wrote that whole weekend. I wrote the whole week I had off, and I wrote the whole next weekend. And at the end of nine days, I had a screenplay done. And I submitted it to the New York International Independent Film Festival, which also had, you know, it has the film competition. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. a screenplay, screenplay competition. competition yeah. Or portion, excuse me, the film portion and the screenplay portion. And it got accepted into the screenplay competition. And then it wound up winning Best Screenplay, which was a million to one shot. And then, you know, I don't know, in less than a year, David Chase, who created The Sopranos, read that screenplay and liked it and asked me if I would write one of the episodes of The Sopranos for him. That was my first credit. I went from literally having never written a script to, you know, a matter of months later, right, my, my first produced episode of television was a Sopranos episode when it was at its height of popularity. I have a charmed life. That is, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. Geez. I'm very lucky. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, don't, you, you just don't, you know, I mean, maybe you start out on, I don't know, Sesame Street or something, <laughs> but not, not the Sopranos when it's, you know, that popular. I know, I know some very good actors who started out on Sesame Street, actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong no, with Sesame Street. 
<laughs> but I actually do know a really good actor who did start out on Sesame Street. But um, yeah, listen, it, it's I I use an expression. Um, I use the expression all the time. I have a horseshoe up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so lucky. I have a wonderful wife. I have wonderful kids. I have a wonderful family. And you know the first. Uh, scripted t- I mean, the first scripted show I get to write for that gets produced is The Sopranos. The first reality show I ever create was Beauty and the Geek, and it ran for five seasons. Uh, the first novel I wrote, Slip and Fall, was a national bestseller. It's one stroke of luck and good fortune after another. I've been lucky enough to have really talented people come into my life and really good people come into my life. Some of my agents, my managers, friends I've met in this in this industry. And it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, look, I'm a big believer, you know, in this country, if you really bust your ass and really work hard and have a little bit of good luck, you, you can have a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've been lucky, man. I wish I wish I had a, I wish I had a, a you know, a, a, a real answer for you. I've been really lucky and really fortunate and, uh, and I'll take it, you know, oh, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> but that's the thing. If you follow your heart and do what you really want to do, as opposed to, you know, when you were a lawyer, you hated it. Things will come your way. Yeah, when I was a lawyer, I mean, hate is so not a strong enough word. <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm not good enough of a writer to come up with a phrase to explain how much I, I loathed being an attorney. Um, wow. But, you know, and, I, was, that's, that's... I, I was working in Manhattan, and uh, I would be in the subway. And I remember, you know, you go, I don't know if you've ridden the subways in New York a lot, but you, you can't see your reflection in the windows, and then the train will go into a dark tunnel, and suddenly you can see your reflection in the window. Mm-hmm. And I remember once staring out the window, staring out the window, and then we went into a tunnel, it got dark, and I could see my reflection, and I'm standing there wearing my suit hold, with my tie on, holding my briefcase, and I'm looking at myself, and I, rem- I remember saying to myself, like, in my head, Look at you. You sell out. You loser. You have lost in life. You have one life, and look at what you're doing with it. And I remember just like hating myself. And I know it sounds dramatic, and it is, but it's the truth. I hated myself. And by the way, I don't hate lawyers. Some of my best friends are lawyers. Mm-hmm. I met some really great people who were attorneys when I was an attorney. And I think they do God's work. You know they are they, they they protect us from dangerous products. They keep innocent out of innocent people out of prison. They put guilty people in prison. I mean, in a perfect world, and and they, they tr- I think most of them really are ethical and, and work really hard. But yeah. it's just not what I was meant to do with my life. Right. Yeah. And I was and I just couldn't have been more unhappy. I couldn't have been more depressed. And every day I wake up and get to go onto a movie lot and sit down with creative people and make a TV show or go film a TV show or sit at home and write or whatever it is, I am so thankful. Yeah. I'm sure it's more fun than, than work is in your mind, right? Oh, it's not work. Right. I get paid to do what I love. Yeah. I mean, there are days where it feels a little tedious. There are, look, you're always going to have the days where... You know, you have to roll up your sleeves and sit in editing and, and recut an episode from the first frame because, you know, the director's handed in a, a cut that's 13 minutes too long. And there are days where you're just going to get absurd, ridiculous notes from executives, uh, studio or network executives or whatever, and you have to deal with them. That happens all the time. The worst day of that, the worst day of working in this business is so much better than the best day of being a lawyer. <laughs> now, do you feel being a lawyer uh, has helped you in being a, an executive producer of shows and things like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I mean, if the subject matter is legal or, or legal-esque, it helps a great deal. Uh, you know, my, my, my first novel, Slip and Fall, is all about, you know, personal injury litigation in Brooklyn, which was something I did after I'd done corporate litigation. Mm-hmm. My current novel, the one we're talking about today, 15 Digits, um, currently available in stores, by the way, and on Amazon, that one is about the corporate world, uh, big big business, corporate litigation, corporate lawyers, that world, which I also know because I worked in that world for a while. Um, it also helps just with the hours. Uh, you have to put in long hours when you're running a show, when you're writing a show, when you're producing a show. Well, when you're a lawyer, you're putting in crazy hours. I mean, you're going eight, nine days without a month off. So this stuff doesn't phase you if you've done it before. And the other thing is it's kind of like, you know, the whole issue of stakes when you know, you're an attorney, you know, you, I, I've, I've, I've worked on cases where people's livelihoods were in my hands, right, yeah. where people's freedom were in my hands. And when I'm on a TV show and, and an executive calls up and says, well, we lost that location, we can't shoot there, we have to do a page one rewrite now, blah, 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 and everyone's freaking out, it, doesn't, it just doesn't bother me, because right. I've, I've dealt with stuff that's real. Yeah. And this is, by definition, it's make-believe. Mm-hmm. It's make-believe TV. So. I know we'll eventually get to the answer, and I know we'll eventually get the script done, and it's just easy to stay calm in those situations. And I've seen other writers kind of panic in those situations because all they've ever done is write. Mm-hmm. They've never had a client sit across from them and say, I don't want to go to prison for something I didn't do. Can you help me, please? Right. And I've been in that situation, and trust me, that's a lot worse than, than worrying what's going to happen to a fictional make-believe person. Right. Now, you mentioned that you sit in the editing room and everything, so you're really involved very deeply in the productions of these shows. Is that what uh, I can take from that? Yeah, in TV, uh, it, it's weird, like the hierarchy of writers in Hollywood. Um, in TV, the writer's in charge of everything. Um, you know, you'll have a team of writers, mm-hmm. so not every writer's in charge of everything, but the higher level writers have more responsibility, and the showrunners of the show, like I'm a showrunner on prison, I mean, excuse me, on Breakout Kings, um, we're responsible for every aspect of the show. So okay. we cast it, we edit it, we'll do music spotting, we'll do the final mix on the show, we'll, we have to approve wardrobe, the set design. I mean, everything goes through us, which is crazy because you're breaking story and writing story and rewriting story for an entire season of television, which is a Herculean task in and of itself, then throw all these other producerial duties on top of it. That's why I was saying, you know, it's long hours. But it's your vision most of the time. You always have people who are involved with the show who aren't writing it who are going to have their thoughts, and very often their thoughts are very helpful, and very often their notes are very helpful. Sometimes you don't agree. There's a give and take. But most of the time you're trying to make your vision. In film, you can work on a screenplay for two years. There could be a bidding war for it. People could pay you a a fair amount of money for it, and then they'll take it and say, don't let the door hit you in the ass, and they'll give you your check, and you're gone. Mm -hmm. And they'll never talk to you again, and they'll make the film without you. And uh, frankly, I think that's why films today are so bad, and, and the best writers and best actors are all going to television. Hmm. Yeah. We have Oscar winners doing TV now. We have some of the best actors in the world wanting to do television. I mean, you know, Glenn Close is doing cable. Right, yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's not that many options in film anymore, sadly, because everything has to have a vampire or an alien. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's really frustrating. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Do, do you- 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Find the studios sometimes uh, make it difficult to, or, or try to get you to do things on a show that you don't really want to do because it's not the direction you're planning on going with the show or something like that? Oh, yeah, that happens on, that's happened on every show ever made ever in the history of television. And sometimes it's the studio, sometimes it's the network. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's small little things they're asking for, and sometimes it's big things they're asking for, and sometimes you just don't agree. That's the, that's the nature of humanity. You know, you're just, no one's going to agree with e- each other all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the dance comes in. And listen, I really don't feel comfortable doing this. This is not what I want for the show. Can you please trust me on this? Right. And let me go in the direction that I know will work. Let me go with my vision. Sometimes you win those arguments, sometimes you don't. Sometimes... Uh, you know, it gets to the point where your, you know, agent gets a phone call saying, hey, these guys are being a little difficult. And so then you have to, and then it gets a little, you know, political and you have to make sure everyone realizes we might not, you know, I still, we still respect each other. We just don't agree here. It's, it's a whole dance. It always works out at the end, hopefully. Sometimes it doesn't. There have been shows, you know, this, this town has landfills full of shows that have been noted to death. Right. But it also has shows that have gotten noted. I mean, it also has landfills full of shows that are, well, not landfills, because that, you know, denotes a bad thing. But it has, I don't know, trophy cases full of shows that are, that have been made better through good notes. It depends. I tell people all the time, I'm not fighting the note because I think I'm always right. I'll take a good note from anybody. The guy who checks my badge when I drive onto the lot, if he gives me a note for my show and it's good, I'm going to take it. You know why? He just did my job for me. He just made my job easier. He made my TV show better. So I'll take a good note from anyone at any time. And, and I don't have a problem with it. But sometimes you do feel like this note just isn't right for the show. And you respectfully voice your opinion. And, and you know, more often than not, it works out. I mean, it's, it's, for me, in my career, the past 10, 11 years, I've, I can count on one hand the number of times where I said, wow, we're kind of at an impasse here. And then even those work out eventually. Yeah. Now, Looking back at the shows you've written for, I mean, humongous shows, so Sopranos, Law and Order, Prison Break, Breakout Kings, and then Beauty and the Geek. Now, that, that's not a show that I would think that you would have created because it's so different than, you know, the lawyers and the, the law and, and, and the murders and all that sort of thing. So how did you come up with Beauty and the Geek? It's, it's funny. Um, it, it is different. I, that, that show, uh, I pitched that show to my agent a, a long time ago, uh, I don't know, I want to say maybe eight years ago, uh, when reality TV, I don't know if you remember, there was a period of time where it looked like reality TV was going to take over television. Yes, I know. <laughs> and uh, and it, it lasted about one season, and people realized that the, the, the public had a saturation point for this stuff, and they really wanted to see good scripted stories. But there was like one season, I remember Fox had a show called The Littlest Groom, which was basically a show about a dwarf getting married, which was offensive on seven different levels. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is, you know, this is crazy. But I remember thinking, if that's getting on the air, 
I, I better start thinking in the reality space or, or I'm going to be out of a job. Mm-hmm. And we had just had our first kid. And I was like, I, I, I got to start thinking of, of ideas or a show. And I had a buddy of mine, a lawyer from back in New York, who was talking to me on the phone one day. And he had said to me, yeah, you know what, we were talking about TV. And he's like, you know, it would be a funny show. Funny show where, you know, you try to, you know, get dumb blondes and try to keep up, teach them calculus or something like that. <laughs> And, I, and I'm, by the way, I know it's politically incorrect to say dumb blondes, but my friend's an animal, and that's how he talks. Um, so he gave me that idea, and I'm talking with him, and, I, and we keep talking. The phone call lasts a little while longer. By the end of the phone call, I said to him, you know what, man? I, I actually think that that thing you said is a show. And I remember saying to him right on the phone, I go, it's called Beauty and the Geek. That's the name of the show. And we have geeks, and we have beauties, and blah, blah, blah. And I pitched him the show. And he's like, okay, you know, he's a lawyer in New York. He could give a crap. He's like, yeah, whatever. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try to sell this show. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to develop it. I'm going to try to sell the show. And if I sell the show, you just did what a good manager does in this business. And managers will often give a client an idea and say, run with it. We think we have something here. And the client takes 10%. So I told my friend, I said, listen, I'm going to give you 10% of anything I ever make off of this show. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, blah, blah. You know I've known this guy since we were kids. Well, a few months later, I sold a season to the WB, a network that no longer exists, and I called him up and I said, well, start checking your mailbox, you're going to start getting checks. And to this day, I mean, I'm, I'm, I own a piece of the show, so I still get checks every once in a while because it still airs all over the world. And I mean, the format sold to 34 different countries, and, or some number like that. And so I still get checks every once in a while, and I love writing those checks to my buddy. And he laughs. He's like, I really didn't need this. And I was like, you gave me the idea. It's the right thing to do. And I love sending him those checks. So I frankly thought that reality wasn't going anywhere. I needed to get involved with it. I do think there's some really good unscripted stuff on TV. I love the show American Pickers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. Yep, yep, I've seen that. I can't get enough of that show. Like, I'm addicted to that show. I, I, I threaten my wife all the time, I'm going to stop writing and buy a van and become a picker, because I just think the show is that great. Um, I think there's really good stuff on TV, on the History Channel, A&E has some good stuff. Um, so it's not going anywhere. I think it's evolved, and I'm still involved with it. I have like one, two, three reality shows set up right now um, in development, and, and I'm excited about them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, Beauty and the Geek doesn't really fit what I do, but I, I don't think anything fits what I do. If I have an idea, I want to do it. If I have an idea, it might be a novel. If I have another idea, it might be a movie. It might be a reality show. Yeah. I was a lawyer for way too long. I was unhappy for way too long. If I have an idea now, I'm just going to try to make it happen. If it doesn't happen, at least I tried. Yeah. Now, now 15 digits. Um, you mentioned that some of the ideas for it came from your real life, uh, things that you saw out there. Is, is Does that happen a lot in writing that book and your other books and some of your shows? Yeah, often I'll, I'll remember someone in my life or, 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 or a small event in my life and then, you know, fictionalize it and dramatize it and blow it up and turn it into a, a story or a book or, or, or what have you. Um, yeah, that happens often. I think all writers draw from their, their daily experiences and, and, and what they've seen and what they observe. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I think... If you're, if you're writing well, what you're doing is observing, recording it in your brain, making it your own, and putting it down on paper. So I, 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 do, uh, I do try to do that. Sometimes I do it well, and sometimes I write stuff that stinks, and I throw it away. But that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. do you, now, do you have a lot of either scripts or stories for shows or, or novels that you've jotted things down and, and just sitting in the desk waiting to use at some other point? Or 
Yeah, yeah. One of my fantasy movies is that movie. Have you seen the movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton? Yes, yeah. I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, oh, how I wish that was real. Because <laughs> I have a million ideas, I think like any writer does, and you have a million ideas, and there's just not enough time in the day. I don't think there's not enough time in your lifetime mm-hmm. to get them all done. Yeah. And they're always there, and they're always sitting in the back of your head, and you're always thinking, one day I'm going to find you know, the time to write that book or do that screenplay or what have you. But what I do is I collect them. I write down outlines. I write down uh, you know, a few pages, get it going in my, in my head. And then I, honestly, some of them I'll think about for years, normally during my commute. And then one day I'll say, and I don't know why, now it's time for me to start writing it. And it just seems to fit organically with the timing in my life or what have you. And I'll write it. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, I, I told my wife that, that when I die, I believe heaven is going to be unlimited amount of time to write without interruption. And my wife's response was, how lame are you that heaven is just more work? Because <laughs> <laughs> all I do is, I mean, I work like 19 hours a day, but I love it. It's, it I was, like I said, I was, I was in an unhappy profession for a long time. Now that I get to do what I love, I don't want, any, I don't want it to ever be taken away from me. Yeah. Now, what about, you're writing a, a comic book, I understand? I wrote series. it already. Yeah, oh. I wrote it, it. It's bittersweet, but it might have a happy ending. I, I sold to uh, Wildstorm, which was a subsidiary of DC Comics, mm-hmm. a uh, an original uh, horror story, horror comic, and it was a horror comic set in the Iraqi War. It was really cool, and they bought it for me. And it was a it was a limited edition, like six issue series. It was going to be really cool. They got this great artist, Franco Franco uh, Francesco Francovia, to uh, do the art for it. And, well, you know, Francesco got maybe, I don't know, a couple of pages into the first issue when we found out that Wildstorm was going out of business. And they were just, you know, D.C. was shutting it down. And uh, that's it. You know, their, their titles are basically dead now. D.C. has been kind enough to say, listen, you can go and shop it anywhere you want. And uh, all we want is our money back that we've paid you from whoever buys it from you. So, you know, we're going to try to shop it. I really, I mean, I've written it. I, I mean, the, all the books are done. Like, all the hard work's done for me. Yeah. I just need I just need someone to publish it now. So hopefully it'll get done because I, I really like it, and I grew up reading a lot of comics, so it would be a thrill for me to write a comic book. What, what, what was your favorite comic book to read? The Avengers. You can imagine how excited I am for this movie to come out. <laughs> now, do you ever see movies, and then uh, because you have this image of what you want or think you're, you know, when you read a story, I don't know if, if you do it, when you read a book, you can always picture who could be the actor in it and, and how the story will be doing. Then you see the movie, and it's like, what do they do? This guy's not, you know, does that happen to you? Yeah, every once in a while, uh, especially, it's funny what you said about reading a book. I, I've become such a, I don't know what the word is, but I've become so warped that I can't read a book anymore. Man, I can't even read a short story anymore without thinking, hey, is this a movie? Mm-hmm. Where's the visual to this? Yeah. How could this be shot? How could I, what's the three-act structure of this? It's just my brain automatically goes there. I can't read a book for enjoyment anymore. I mean, I enjoy it, but what I wind up doing is picking up a pen and writing notes in the margin. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's a sickness. <laughs> it's a sickness. Um, but, yeah, there are certain, I mean, I don't want to say which ones they are, but there are certain movies you, where you really love the book, and then you look at the movie and you just go, oh, my gosh, look at what they did to this thing. Um, but then there were other movies, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, where you go, oh, my goodness, this movie is as wonderful and sublime as the novel. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we had Scout uh, from the movie To Kill a Mockingbird on the show. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, I would have been starstruck. Uh, Mary Batham. 
I would have been, I wouldn't have been able to say anything. That's my favorite book of all time. Yeah, she, she was amazing. She, uh, yeah, it was amazing to have her on the show. How old is she? Uh, I don't know how old she is now, um, but she, um, you know, she was quite young when she was on the, in the film. Oh, of course, but yeah. that was, man, I mean, when was that movie made? Two, six, four, fifty, six. She's probably she's got to be seventy-five. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I'm not sure, really. Uh, she looks young. I, I know that. Yeah, well, but, good for her. Listen, I love that movie. Yeah. I think that movie is just fantastic. It's a perfect film. Yeah, yeah. She had some great stories. So now, as far as your books, uh, fifteen digits. It's out now. Um, yes, sir. Do you have another? continuation of that coming up are you doing do you do any of those trilogy type things that everybody's doing now or, or are you just uh, going on I to another yet. book i haven't yet i have been receiving the signal loud and clear from my representatives that one of the best things i could do was to, is to would be to create a character mm-hmm. um you know lee child has his uh his character that's in so many of his books, and 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 you know, uh, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Lee Child's a wonderful writer, um, but the, there are certain um, you know iconic uh, literary figures in, in in popular writing that just keep coming back and keep coming back to great success. And 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 maybe that's something I should be doing. My first two books don't lend themselves to that. They're just close-ended stories that you know I really just like them living in between the front cover and the back cover of the book mm-hmm. and that's it uh but that doesn't mean that i won't do that one day i just have to think of a character that i would like enough to want to spend that much time with yeah now any chance of slip and fall or 15 digits becoming a movie well, it's so funny because slip and fall was originally a movie oh really slip and fall was original was the original screenplay i wrote for that film festival oh. that got me into the business Oh, okay. And then uh, years had passed, and I was using that screenplay, got me the Sopranos job. It got me a job on a TV show called The Guardian that was on CBS about 10 years ago with Dabney Coleman and Simon Baker starring. Mm-hmm. It got me um, my, a job on Law & Order. It just kept getting me job after job after job. And I said to one of my agents, I was like, hey, man, why haven't we sold this thing as a movie yet? I mean, it's just getting me job after job. It's got to be pretty good. Right, yeah. And his response was, well, it's a small movie. I'm like, what do you mean it's a small movie? It's 120 pages like any other script. And he's like, no, no, no. It's small in concept. And he basically said what I said to you earlier. No big, um, you know, there's no big explosions. There's no aliens. There's no zombies. It's a small concept. (laughs) And I remember I was a bit of a wise guy. Oh, so you mean it's basically a story about, you know, a group of people who make some decisions and mistakes that have ethical consequences and moral implications and how they deal with that. And they could have, you know, differences of life and death depending on their decisions and how they handle it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I go, so you mean like to kill a mockingbird? And he's like, don't be a wise guy. And I named like five other really great classic movies that basically are just character pieces. Yeah. And he said, I'm sorry. If you, everyone wants something based on source material today, be it a graphic novel or a sequel or a prequel or a book or whatever. That, that's exactly what our show was about. <laughs> we yeah. talk about prequels and, so, and sequels. And I said, okay. I said, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. I came back two months later and I threw a manuscript on his desk and I said, here's the book. Now turn it now sell it, and then we'll turn it into a movie. And so I, I wrote, I took the screenplay and turned it into a book. Well, we sold it, 
it was a national bestseller, and as a result of that, we started getting phone calls for the movie rights. And the weird, ironic thing was, is I said, no, I don't want it to be a movie now. Oh, really? And the whole reason I wrote the book was to turn it into a movie. Yeah. But I, I, I had had a couple of movies made at that point. They didn't come out the way I wanted because I had no uh, real um, involvement with the production of the film. I just wrote the screenplays, and the screenplays were changed substantially from what I wrote, and I, I believe for the worse. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't want this story, which was so personal to me, which was very autobiographical in parts, to be manhandled by someone else. So I told my agent, I'm like, I don't, I'm not selling the rights. And he's like, this is the whole reason you wrote it. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so I held on to it, and now actually um, there are some people that are interested in possibly financing it for me to direct. So I would be writing it, producing it, directing it. Wow. I would have some control over it. It would be done independently, but it would hopefully be really good. At least it would be my vision. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, and 15 hey. digits were, all, yeah, were already getting, uh, flatteringly so, already getting phone calls in about the film rights, but who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, would you want that one to be you involved heavily in that too or or does that one not that one i mean it depends if i, I you know i would want to know who you know uh, who might direct it i, I might I, I might want to be a producer on it you know I, yeah. it, again it's a it's a character piece it's not anything with uh you know no one's taking over the world from outer space or anything like that <laughs> it would be a smaller film lower budget it would be a minimal risk for a studio so uh, you know, I, I would say, yeah, I'd like to be involved as a producer on this because I just don't want to hand it over. Not yeah. my original stuff. If yeah. someone comes to me with a piece of property that they own, I don't need to produce it. I don't need to direct it. Nothing like that. I just, I, I just want to know what they want, and then I want to try to do as good a job as I can for them and give them what they want. But something that I like a book that I poured my heart and soul into, I'm a little more vested. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know how you feel. I, that, that, it makes sense. We are going to put a link on our site so people can just click and go right to Amazon and get the book if, if they want to. Great. Thank and, you. Uh, Nick, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Yes, sir. Taking us away from your movies and everything and your TV shows and still related to that, when you watch TV, what are your favorite TV shows of all time, now or in the past? What, what do you like to watch? Um, why don't I do, because it'll be easier to recall, do the ones I love to watch now, and then I'll, at the end, do the ones of all time, if sure. that makes sense? Sure. I, I'm, I, I'm addicted to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my life, and I just think it's brilliant. Uh, I love American Pickers. I, I'm a big fan of The Office, big fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I adore Boardwalk Empire. I can't get enough of that show. I think that Terrence Winter is an absolute genius in, in, in what he writes and what he makes. Um, and I just think that show visually is so stunning and, and so fantastic. Um, of all time, I, hmm, I was a big fan of Taxi growing up, yep. which is one of my favorite shows of all time. I uh, really enjoyed Cheers growing up. I'm, I'm a, for a guy who writes drama, I'm really a half-hour guy. I don't watch a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, there's just, for me, most of the time I can see the tricks coming from a mile away because it's what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I love half-hours. And um, I'm trying to think of all-time television shows. Uh, I'm also, I'm, I, you know, I was also a huge fan, and still am, of The Simpsons. I mean, it, that, that came out when I was in college, and yeah. I just think that show's you know, groundbreaking as everyone else does. Yeah. What about movies? What's your favorite movies of all time? My favorite movie of all time is, is a little-known film called Mac. It's 
spelled M-A-C, uh, starring John Totoro and directed by John Totoro and co-written by John Totoro. And it's really a, a love letter to, I believe, a love letter to people who work with their hands for a living. Um, my, everyone, all the people I grew up worshiping, my heroes, my, my father, my grandfather, my uncles, were all all worked with their hands and, and worked really hard and helped helped build this country and helped build New York. And and this movie was just absolutely beautiful because it showed the working man and, and woman, but in this movie it was all men, uh, showed the working man as, as an artist, as someone who created, someone who built. And it wasn't... I don't know how to put it, but it, but, but it wasn't insulting. So many, Hollywood's got this weird thing about, you know, and it pisses me off sometimes, but it has this weird thing about people who didn't go to Ivy League schools as if they're somehow dumb mm-hmm. or somehow beneath everybody else. Yeah. Uh, not, the, not, the, not the blue-collar workers I knew growing up. Bright, smart, educated people. Maybe not formally educated, but educated people. And this movie, if you haven't seen it, it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful, and I and I and I love it, and that's one of my favorite movies. It's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, I love Back to the Future. The, seeing that movie was like a life changing moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. Yeah. I just I, I I can't get enough of of Back to the Future. Um, on the sillier side, I've probably seen Dumb and Dumber fifty times. <laughs> can't get enough of that film. I love Cable Guy. There are certain movies that you know I just just continually watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Nick, this has been a lot of fun hearing you tell the stories and everything. It's, it's been amazing listening to what you've had to say, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I appreciate you having me on, and I, I know I can get long-winded, so I hope I didn't talk too much. Oh, I loved it, and, and I wish you luck with 15 digits. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for helping me promote it, and I hope your listeners take a chance on it and pick up a copy, because it's, it's a fun read. It's a good story. Nick Santora, great guest, and I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. And if you want to check out his book, 15 Digits, makes a great read for this summer, go to onscreenorbeyond.com, and you can, uh, right there, there's a link where you can click on it and get to it and check out his book. He writes great shows like The Sopranos, Law and Order, Prison Break, Breakout Kings. So you know the book's going to be great. Uh, it's 15 Digits. Check it out. And that is about... Uh, the end of that so we are now gonna uh, get ready here for uh, next week we got another great guest coming your way and um be interesting to see what dark shadow is going to be be doing next week because uh i i don't really believe that it's going to make as much as the avengers it's just you know 200 million on a weekend that's (laughs) that's a little bit of change right there so we'll find out what goes on there and uh, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. Uh, if you want, just go to uh, onscreenandbeyond.com, scroll down to the bottom. Right there, we've got a link that will get you there. Or if you're on Facebook, you know how to get there. And uh, so we'd love to have you be a friend. And uh, let's see, what else here? Um, if you have a suggestion that you would like to make for somebody you would like to hear on On Screen and Beyond, email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Uh, we've got uh, some great guests lined up, so uh, but we're always looking for more. So your suggestions really do help. We appreciate you doing that, and uh, we'll see what we can do about getting that person on. So that's about it for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. It's a wrap for this week, and next week I hope you'll join us once again when we once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.